Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, who will be the next Mayor of Auckland? I talked to the three main contenders about what's wrong with the city and how they would fix it. So, who are they? Well, first, Ephesor Collins, current Auckland councillor, who I meet at a cafe at Sylvia Park. He's caught the bus there from his home in Otahuhu. A person who's genuinely interested in people, genuinely prepared to listen and genuinely committed to his family because I'm in this race for my family. I've got two young daughters. My prayer and my deepest desire is to see them flourish in a city that we've helped to create. Leo Malloy talks to me at his campaign office overlooking Viaduct Harbour and next to his headquarters bar and restaurant. A free-spirited, independent thinker with extraordinary clarity. I will never take the easy path. Steve Hansen, the all-back coach, once said of me, he never turns left, he always turns right. And that's true. And I will do the right thing for the city. I will never, ever, ever take the easy option. It's not the best option. And Viv Beck joins me in a colourful but sadly empty square just off High Street in the city centre. Well, I'm very focused, but I'm, I've got a very collaborative style. I actually do bring uh, senior-level experience in both public organisations and private, but I really like to work with people and understand different perspectives before my, I form my own view in a way. I have views, but I, but I think it's very important that we're building a city for Aucklanders. So let's get stuck into some of the big Auckland issues, and I'm asking each of these three candidates the same questions. Public transport Mm. in Auckland, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I think we've got to really get the network right. And I think in many ways, Auckland Transport's doing a good job at understanding where the need is, making sure that we can get people closer to frequent lines. And so my ambition is for fares-free public transport. And I'm working with international experts at the moment who are going to be talking to me about international examples, like in Lisbon, Tallinn, a bit of Kansas City. I think we can pay for it. But more than that, getting rid of the cost impediment means we'll get people out of their cars. And it's going to help, especially vulnerable families who are spending nearly more than two quarters of their income on on transport. It'll give them the opportunity to save that money and use the bus or the train. How much is that going to cost to make it free? I've been told anywhere between 100 and $215 million, but I think it's an investment that's worth it. And if you look at congested traffic, we know that we're losing over a billion dollars a year as a nation in lost productivity because we've got people sitting in their cars. But I think it's we can move money around within our current council budget to cover all of that. So what, take money from somewhere else in, yeah. the, in the budget? Yeah, so look, I've talked already around $50 million. We spend a year on consultants for HR and legal costs. We've got HR legal teams internal to council. We've also got road improvements budgets or in excess of $200 million. So that's another budget that we should be looking at. I think it's more than broken. I think it's a shambles. So I think if you're going to fix public transport, the key to it is to get a well-funded trial and run like a modelling exercise and you'd measure the performance indicators, the KPIs. So for me, that would be uh, productivity. That would be congestion. That would be, um, you could even measure some things along the lines of revenue, you could measure emissions for sure. Um, But I think it is broken and I think it needs urgent attention and I'm going to make it my personal responsibility to chair AT so I can address it. We have a formidable crew, whose names I can't mention, who we've assembled to give us advice on this. 
you'll be delighted to hear that we have funding we believe in place. It might take a wee bit of arm twisting at central government level to run a one-year trial for free public transport. Then we want to increase what I call the venous routes, but you might call them the feeder routes, the arterial routes, the frequency and the time that the public transport's available. So this one-year trial, you'd make it free, and after that you would decide well, whether it, it should be free It depends how we measure it. You have to measure your KPIs, and this is the problem with council at the moment. They don't use KPIs, they don't retrospectively analyse the chaos they cause around town. AT in particular is determined to pull up every street in town to ruin every precinct in town. And I'm talking about Anihanga, I'm talking about places like um, Takapuna. If these precincts are a mess, would you rip them up then? Would I unwind the damage Auckland Transport has done? I'd certainly be looking at some of the things I've done and saying, has that been best practice principles? Have they been followed? Have we achieved anything by doing what we did there? I have a way of dealing with people who are not performing. I bring you into my office and I sit you down, I look you in the eye and I say, help me understand. That's where the question starts. And a lot of people will be getting asked that question on the first day that I'm in the mirror office. There are a number of issues with some of the big projects that just don't seem to get through. You know, we have a lot of reports done and we talk about things but they don't happen. So I think it's really important we actually get on, make the decision to get on with the big things that are going to really unlock access for Aucklanders. We also have, I think, some challenges with some of the services now. So, for example, where you get something like the Northern Busway, I hardly ever hear a complaint about that. But I know myself, it's very frustrating when you're on a route that suddenly things are cancelled. So I think there's a combination of prioritising projects, making sure we invest in the services so they're really good and people want to use them, and making sure we get on with those big issues. Should it be free? I don't think so. I think there are, it's important to have um, concessions for affordability. I think it's important that we make it accessible for people. But I'd rather see the investment into going a really, having a great public transport network. Regional fuel tax, yes or no? I voted against the regional fuel tax. And the challenge we have today is it's going towards projects in public transport that we need. The Eastern Busway, what we're doing at Lake Road and, the, and Lincoln Road. So we've got some challenges. If we can find the money that's going to take over or replace our financial commitment to partnering with the government to get these projects sorted, then we can get rid of the regional fuel tax, but it's committed money and it's in for the next 10 years. And that's why we've got to think harder about how we raise money so that we can do, we can develop the city. So where does that money come from if you scrap the tax? Yeah, well, that, that's the question we've got to answer. Over 10 years, it's projected to bring in $1.5 billion. That's a lot of money that's going to help infrastructure that Auckland desperately needs. And I think the government needs to respond to Auckland, given that of all the public money, the public taxes that are taken, local government gets 7% and the Crown gets 93%. So we can share better. And I've heard people say we've got to do better to work with the Crown so that we can get a bit more money to fund local government. And we've got to understand that Auckland is a different case. You know, we're 40% of the nation's GDP, so the Crown has to take a serious look at Auckland. Regional fuel tax. I want to use that to fund the first year of free public transport as an exercise, what they've got in the pool now, not charging anymore. In the pool now is, I think, close to about $300 million. Unspent. We have a, that's what I've been alluding to, about how we're going to fund that one-year trial. Mm-hmm. So we have a home for that. After that? Uh, Will I have a regional fuel tax after that? It's a central government decision, it's not my decision. Will I personally support it? No.
So I've made a um, statement that I believe that that should be scrapped. It's an interim tax. It was always unfair, actually. It affects people across the board at the petrol pump, and obviously that's a big deal at the moment in terms of it's another cost for people. The reason, though, that I feel it was important, felt it was important to put a stake in the ground on that is that I think that a lot of people can see there's fat in the system at the moment. That's one thing. I think we have to get the fat out. So, in terms so you're talking about the council system? Yeah, so uh-huh. I'm saying, yes, it's $150 million that we'd need to find, and I understand that, and there are implications in terms of funding that comes from um, central government as well. But I think it's an important stake in the ground that says we've got to make this system really efficient. And actually, I think we need a more sustainable funding model with um, central government. Three waters... Do you support it? Yeah, I'm absolutely supportive of Three Waters. I think when we've got an integrated system uh, for the nation, we're able to really develop uh, a centralised and standardised system. I think water care has been excellent for Aucklanders. And Aucklanders have said to us that they're concerned about the governance issues that remain with Three Waters, and I accept that. And that's going to be an ongoing conversation because we've invested in the infrastructure for water for a long time. That's a huge asset that Auckland loses, though. And that's why I understand there's governance issues around that. But we've been slow to make sure that we've met the needs of that infrastructure, of making sure we maintain. We've got the central interceptor that's going in at the moment. There's huge huge demands on where our money goes and it's either we continue in a way to beg for a bit more or we can partner with the government and we can say our partnership looks like this and we're going to share forms of governance. It's complex, it's very very complex and its initial form I didn't. After the release today I think having it still in the hands of the local councils has some appeal. I don't understand why Auckland and Northland are being bundled together. I get the feeling that Northland's a cock case and we're being expected to subsidise them. So do I support it? I support it if I understand the terms and conditions, the fine print. At the moment, based on the fine print as quoted today, it has more appeal than it did yesterday. Do you worry about Auckland Council losing a huge asset? Well, it's $11 billion worth, and the government's offering $500 million for it, and Gough said he wants the first 150 today to pay for his budget overruns this year. So do I support it? Not in that form, no. Pay full retail, give me guarantees of quality, guarantees of supply, give me access to the Waikato River, guaranteed. Then I might look at, look at the proposal. Auckland has already efficiencies. We've invested in in our water assets. And what I've seen so far, I I support the approach that's been taken for Auckland that says, um, no, this isn't the right approach for Aucklanders. So hold on to the water. Yeah. The state of the council's finances and rates, tough times at the moment. Would you be prepared to raise rates? I think that's part of an entire discussion that we've got to have about our revenue. And... I would be prepared to have the discussion about the level of rates that we are paying to contribute to our city. So whether we, we're raising them a little bit more, we have done for a year, we raised rates to 5% and we had good reason to. Is there good reason to lift it any more? That's a discussion we need to have if we're to be the developing city that we want to be. So I'm definitely up for a conversation. And keeping in mind that rates represents less than half of council's revenue. So Aucklanders should be proud that we are seeking other forms of revenue. Can we get more out of those other forms of revenue? That's part of the conversation too. And how much is the Crown giving us? That's part of that conversation. So there's a package in that conversation, but I'm up for the conversation around rates, even if we have to lift them. Other sources of revenue for the council. So would you consider um, looking at asset sales? 
No, not, not for strategic asset sales, no, because all we're doing is we're getting rid of, of assets that have been bringing in money. Let's look at the airport shares up until COVID, $60 million a year. That represents, I think, a 3 4% rates increase. So that's helping us. It's been challenging because with COVID, the airports are closed, so we're not making any money. But as the world starts to open up again, we can rely on that funding stream to continue to give us money. So for strategic assets, no. And we've got a program now where we're, ho- we're, re- we're selling off the assets that are not strategic. We're getting off parcels, getting rid and selling off parcels of land that we don't need, and that's happening through Ekepanuku. So I think our current program of selling assets that are non-strategic is the right program at this stage. The state of the Auckland Council's finances? If I knew you better, I'd swear in front of you, but I won't. I'll just say shambles. Absolute disaster. Uh, 1.4 million debt increasing by the day, interest only. $60,000 per hour debt increasing. While you and I have been talking, the council's debt's gone up by about $25,000. Every single house in Auckland now has a liability. I should call them homes, not houses, because they're homes. 550000 of them has a $25,000 liability imposed on them by the overspending council. So what would you do about it? Well, stop wasting bloody money for a start. That's the first place to start. Where's, where is the money wasted? Though? Well, there's a billion in wages alone for a start. What have they delivered for you? Auckland Unlimited, what have they delivered? Etipanuku, what have they delivered? Auckland Transport, what have they delivered? Watercare, what have they delivered? They couldn't deliver bloody water last year. And their salary, their chief executive, is on $700,000 a year. You'd cut the big salaries? There are five layers at council. The middle layer is a layer of clay where good ideas go to die. That layer will be gone. Gone. 20% of that, of that entire council administrative capacity, personnel, will be gone. And you wouldn't raise rates? Rates will only be linked to the inflationary cost of council. So, if, for example, your building and steel goes up, you've got to factor that in. That aside, no. Okay. There are better ways to use our money, in case you didn't know. Do you want to talk about ports now? Because that's a good opportunity to yeah, change. Yeah, let's talk about so ports. So the value of ports on the books is less than $1,000 a square metre. It's covering a footprint of our absolute best property. I can tell you now that I could bring a guy today who's well-known in this area for doing exactly the sort of thing. You're selling the leasehold opportunity, not the freehold, so you're keeping the land. I could sell that for ten dollars to $12,000 a metre. I could free up $10 billion without selling a square postage stamp of land. I'm selling a leasing opportunity. I could then take the ports business, so I'm splitting the operating business and the real estate. I could sell that ports business to Ports of Tarana and make this about three times more efficient than what it is now, and I would get a minimum... A minimum of $7 billion for it. Would that mean moving that port? No, that means reducing the footprint to get an efficient capacity. It means taking parts of it that you don't simply need to have right there on your waterfront, particularly the car importing business. It's ludicrous. Where would you put that? Further Thames is the obvious choice, but that's subject to environmental consents. Any other assets? Well, you'd probably have a little peaky boo at something like your shares in, in um, Auckland Airport. I personally wouldn't be in a rush to sell those. I mean, they're getting a good dividend out of them. Um, Eti Panuku is definitely worth a look. There's a lot of their real estate that's not being used. And if you look over my right shoulder now, you'll probably see it looks like a car park out there, and that's the best real estate in Auckland. That's not being used, and it hasn't been used in my lifetime. You're talking about Wynyard Quarter? I'm talking about Tamaki Drive right to the North Wharf. So what are you saying? This, all, all of this should be sold off? See, this is the problem with the current council. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it should be activated. Now, can you imagine Auckland without headquarters? In all seriousness, it, can you imagine the viaduct without my footprint all over the viaduct? It wouldn't be what it is without me. I can activate spaces like this. Well, it is inefficient working across the council group, and I've experienced that myself, just in terms of um, 
where the accountabilities are and who does what. And I think because sometimes the projects aren't necessarily thought through well enough at the start, there's often a rework. And I think that costs money, it costs time, uh, it costs a lot of frustration for people. There's a lot of things council do that people people like. I'm not trying to suggest that there isn't. But the reality is if people don't feel like their money is being invested in the most effective way, mm. that makes them feel like there's an issue. And I think we have to, we have to really deal with that. Should rates be raised to pay, off, pay it off? Well, I think that we've got a situation now where there's a six, basically a 6% rates rise proposed, which is, I think, in this environment quite high. So I think it would be difficult to raise rates further, to be perfectly honest. So I think, it, like in any business, if you, you need to make sure your own house is in order before you put your prices up. Would you look at sales of um, strategic assets or not even non-strategic assets? Well, I have certainly said that I thought we needed, the, actually the ratepayers, I've said previously, the ratepayers need to have more awareness of the strategy behind assets. And I know that's been contentious for council around things like the airport and the waterfront, but that does seem, a, you know, at the end of the day, the argument was always, well, we get a dividend. Well, the dividend now is not making a big difference and I would think there are, is a much more efficient model for example for the waterfront for the council to still own the land and have different use and actually a much more appealing use for the people of Auckland. That port debate has gone round and round for years it's another one we've had report after report after report. I'd like to see that progressed because I think there is a much better model for that waterfront land. If you, if you become the Mayor, how are you going to get other councillors to support you because in the end you've only got one vote haven't you? Yeah that's right and I think it's important for Aucklanders to know that that there's the Mayor plus 20 other councillors and each of us only has one vote. I've always seen my leadership style as one that's collaborative. I love to listen, I love to sit down and have tea or coffee or in this case a, a, a berry smoothie and I think it's really important that people know that when They've got a mayor who's interested in what they want to achieve for their local community, someone who's prepared to listen to them, and the ability to find a sense of consensus, some agreed ideas around the vision of Auckland, that's the way we're going to get a genuinely progressive agenda. Well, firstly, the super city model is written exactly for a person like me. Exactly. The CCOs have a lot of the control and power now. I can cheer any CCO I want to, and I will. But as far as the councillors go... I traverse the entire political spectrum. I don't know, have you ever had the pleasure of going to headquarters and seeing how it operates? No. Really? I've heard about it. Oh, my God. I know. That's like living in Paris and not going to the Louvre. <laughs> anyway, the point <laughs> is this, that I traverse the political spectrum and I traverse the whole spectrum of Auckland. I, I, funnily enough, get accused by people of having too many bro, brown mates, but I've always been what I am. I'm an Irish Catholic and I gravitate towards certain people. But down there, we judge on behaviour and behaviour only. We treat everybody equally. And that's exactly what I'll do politically and exactly what I'll do for the city. But, you know, we, we all know that you've got, whether it's right or wrong, you've got quite a reputation. You're a straight talker. And, and that can get people offside. I'm a natural leader of men as well. That gets people onside. A natural leader of men and women? Oh, well, but our, but in our bell curve or analytics, we, I have staggering appeal across the 45 to 60-year-old female sector. So women love me. Go on my YouTube channel and see, but we have staggering penetration, but I have enormous appeal to women, so yeah. yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why. You might want to tell me, because you're an expert in the field. I'm not, but... An expert at what? Sorry. Well, understanding woman. how women perceive me, and I don't know. No, I, I honestly don't know. 
Well, I think it's, it comes down to having a case and actually having the, uh, the numbers around it. I've always said around the uh, stadium, for example, whatever the future of the stadium is going to be, it has to be you know, a well-constructed case. And, we, and, and then it's a case of actually selling that to people and actually creating an aspiration for our city. That's magnificent land down there, for example. Mm. And I think if we had a great vision for it and, and it made sense economically, which I'm pretty sure it would, um, then I think it's a case of getting an... And it's got to involve all because it's such a, you know, it's such a precious piece of land that people are going to want to be happy about how we use it. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm wondering how you get enough councils. I mean, it's a pretty divided council, and you don't want to end up like Wellington or Tauranga, for example, mm. where nothing gets done because the council yep. is so divided. So I, I guess I could say, are you confident that you would have the support of? Well, the way I work is I actually like to listen to different views, genuinely. So whoever it is, I'm interested in hearing the views. I think we have to, we have to do it mm. because we certainly don't want to be sitting here in five years' time. We still don't know what we're going to do with the port. And actually, that could be a very important um, driver of revenue for us. How are you going to get more people out to vote? Because um, the last turnout, 2019, 35% of yeah. eligible Aucklanders voted. And what I'm doing is I'm keen to door knock when we can uh, and to get out into the community and help people understand that I'm keen to garner their interest in local government and practice in democracy. And I think the way we get people interested is we show them that local government relates to their lives today, that when we're out at the playground with my daughters, that relates to them. That's a, a facility that council provides, the libraries, MOTAP, the museum, the art gallery. All of these things are connected to council, and when people make that connection, hopefully they'll see that their vote is important. My coruscating personality has so much appeal that people will vote okay. because they want to make a difference. So they look at me, I'm, I'm riding a tide of disenchantment at the moment, but I have more to offer than just to the disenchanted. I don't just appeal to that group, but there's a massively disenchanted sector out there at every level who are sick of the way council runs their, or well, literally runs the council, the political affiliations of certain individuals who they just have like a puppet, moronic type approach to council policy. And they're sick of the way the government's running the country, if you, if you need to know. What I would like to do is, is create some energy and excitement for the potential of the city. The fact that we're going to get on and deliver s some things that actually have been rolling around for a very long time. And I just feel this is a really important time for Auckland. And we've got big decisions to make. We've got to make the right ones. And I want to think that we can take people with us on that. <laughs> is for you the most important thing that you think needs to change about Auckland? As we soon come out of COVID, I think we want a unified city. And when we create that sense of unity and belonging, I think people get excited about the city. So for me, how we generate a sense of unity, a sense of an Auckland identity, I'd like to work, what that, work that out because I think there's work to be done there. Then I think we get involved. It gives us something to hope for, something to be, to be proud of. It's on its knees. I want to bring it back to life. I want to turn it into a city that should be proud to stand on the podium of the Pacific Rim and have the gold medal around its neck. At the moment, we're not even on the podium. We are being flogged. 
We're being flogged by this council, by the inability to deliver anything constructive and useful, and we're being flogged by central government, and it's going to stop. More Auckland, less Wellington. I will bring the city back to life. We will bring to a rapid conclusion all these vanity projects and the other projects like City Rail Loop, which has to be finished, I agree with that. Well, I think we do need to deal with the issues, because if we don't deal with the issues, people are always going to say, I love Auckland, but... Mm, the so, issues. So what? what do well, you I would say that I would say the, the the biggest one that I'm hearing is the transport congestion one. If people felt they could get around more easily, get where they need to go when they need to get there, and it wasn't a big barrier to them, I think that would actually make people feel better about the city. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Sarah Robson. And thanks to Ephesor Collins, Viv Beck and Leo Malloy. Kakite anō.